When Peter's first readers read this passage, you've got to remember the emperor under which they are serving under. That emperor was Nero, the arch enemy of Christians. The arch enemy of Christians and this whole notion of wanting to submit uh, to such an oppressor is probably the last thing they felt like doing. Uh, Their gut response was probably to want to rebel Um, uh, the sort of treatment that we spoke about Nero placing on the early church. And interestingly, when you think about Peter, the author of this passage, uh, what was Peter's first instinct when the guards came to Jesus in the garden? He pulled out the sword. It was insurrection and violence. Uh, But now Peter is, in fact, under under oppressive um, government. Peter is saying to these believers, uh, you're to submit Again, it's that complete turnaround. You have been transformed by grace, and so now this is how this is the posture that you are to have. Um, In verse 16, Peter Peter speaks about living as free people. Now, another point is that as believers, as Christians who have come to faith in Jesus Christ, uh, they have now been set free. They are now citizens of a different a different kingdom. And remember how Peter reminds them that they are foreigners and exiles. Uh, It would be a temptation, and indeed for some it was, um, to in a sense just say, I want to have nothing to do with this world, with this government. I now belong to a new kingdom. I serve a higher king, a higher power, Jesus Christ. Caesar is not Lord, Jesus is Lord. And again, uh, there is the sense that that is true. You have been set free. But Peter wants them to use their freedom to serve, uh, not to rebel. Um, he actually wants them to be orderly and to live in such a fashion that will actually be of benefit for all of society. He implores believers to basically be the best kind of citizens they can be and, uh, and to use their freedom in that respect. They'll probably... Okay. Good. Let's have a go. Okay. Peter in the garden. Christians should be the best citizens. Okay. If not the person, the position. So, you know, even if this person is someone that you really struggle with, you've been called to honour and to respect the position. And that's what Paul argues in Romans 13. Um, Understand true freedom in Christ. We talked about that. Uh, Now really important point to make is that uh, Peter is not denying that corruption and injustice call for action and defence. There are in fact examples of civil disobedience in the scriptures and there are times when that is completely appropriate and necessary. But in this particular context, I think what Peter is arguing for is what we read in Romans 12, 8 that Paul says, and that is, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Okay, so there are going to be situations, but we're not talking about those at the moment. We're talking about, you know, as, as much as it depends on you, try and live at peace and be a good example. Uh, we'll keep moving through with slaves. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. Not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? 
But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. I wanted to say, firstly, it's actually radical that Peter is even addressing slaves and addressing wives. Um, slaves were not even considered whole people. Uh, but again, and, 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 wives in a second, and wives in another sense as well. Um, this is a culture where you know, men were sort of the authority over women. Uh, but Peter addresses slaves and, and, and wives very much as equals. Everyone in God's kingdom is a, is a whole person, a person born in the image of God. And we just see that being acknowledged, the very fact that Peter addresses them. Um, so again, with slaves, here is a way for you to demonstrate a point of difference. It's easy for you, yes, to serve when you are treated kindly. It's much harder when you are treated harshly. And Peter wants to encourage those who find themselves, which would actually, in fact, be many of his listeners, uh, many of the sort of the lower socioeconomic employment or economy of Roman Empire was built on the back of, of slaves. Now, there were slaves for all kinds of things. Um, and, in fact, your position as a slave was very heavily tied to your, your owner or your master. And so, you know, there are, there are going to be some slaves who are actually treated very well, but there are also going to be some who are treated by very harsh masters. And this is really, for Peter, an example for an opportunity for believers to set an example by the way that they actually respond in those difficult and harsh positions. Uh, Peter will remind his followers that there is a just God in heaven who will be the final judge. You leave that to him. Now, in the midst of speaking to slaves, Peter will then draw on uh, the greatest example of what it means to bear up under unjust treatment. And he points his readers to the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ is the absolute epitome of what it means to bear up and to submit to unjust treatment. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate when he suffered. He made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to he who judges. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds you have been healed. Peter's drawing very heavily on the suffering servant passage from Isaiah 53 here. And, you know, he, he kind of lists the ways that Christ bore up under the weight of the cross. He committed no sin. There was no deceitful talk in his mouth. He did not retaliate. He made no threats. And he, he just entrusted himself to the God who will judge justly. And what Peter is saying to his readers here is that the, the, the call of a believer is to live a cross-shaped life. And this should not come as a surprise because we follow a crucified Lord and a crucified Saviour. So whatever suffering you undergo for your faith, remember that you follow in the footsteps of your Lord and Saviour. He's, he's pointing, he's inviting them again to fix their eyes on the grace that has been and the grace that is to come. Jesus, uh, Jesus modelled this himself. He taught 
his followers to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But Jesus himself modeled this on the cross. And no doubt, by using the example, the most extreme example of Christ on the cross, Peter is reminding his readers of this is the faith that you belong to. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It is to love those who would seek to do harm to you, to love them, to pray for them, um, to, to actually desire their good. You see, to pray for someone is to desire their good. And Peter is in, in exhorting um, his followers to this very teaching of Christ that he himself modelled so wonderfully on the cross. Now, remember right at the very beginning in verse 11 and 12, Peter's like, if you do this, if you live such good and exemplary lives, some may turn to repentance and faith and worship and honour Christ on the day he returns. Think about this Roman centurion who just simply observed the way Jesus died. He observed this. He observed Jesus committing no sin, not speaking deceitfully, um, not retaliating, making no threats. And, and And he then becomes one who will give praise and honor to God. The example is right there. It's a powerful story. Just by the very way that Jesus died, just by the very way that Jesus suffered, a man was brought to faith. And that's the example that Peter wants us to to know. But Peter is pointing to Christ not just as an example. Yes, Christ is your example and you are to imitate him. But because of what Christ did, your sins have been forgiven. You've been reborn. There is healing in Jesus' name. He's taking them back again to that vertical grace. And just it's, it's so uh, beautiful how Peter just keeps pointing them to Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. He just keeps bringing them back to their Saviour, to all that he has done to set them free. 1 Peter 2.25, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You know, there was a time when Jesus left the 99 to find you and to find I. And again, Peter is reminding his readers that they are children of God. They have been reborn and that this is the one who watches over them. This whole section is playing in, speaking into the fact that as believers, you're being watched. You're being watched. People are looking at our lives to see what kind of a difference faith makes. And right at the end here, Peter wants to remind and assure his, his readers that just as you are being watched, remember there's one in heaven who watches over you. And he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. He loves you and he is the shepherd and the overseer of that soul. And he connects the soul again. You see, he began with that inner battle of the soul. You know, and Christ is the overseer and the shepherd of our souls. And when we stuff up, when we get it wrong, we just need to turn in repentance to that shepherd and he'll welcome us in with forgiveness and grace, and we keep going. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, uh, we just thank you so much for your example of bearing up under the most unjust, the harshest treatment known to mankind. And in doing so, you set an example 
an incredible, extreme example of what it is to love one's enemies. Father, as we come to this particular passage today, uh, for some of us, there won't really be any particular parallels that we can identify with. But maybe for some of us there are. Maybe there are situations where we feel as though because of our faith, we're being oppressed. Maybe we're not being oppressed by somebody, but maybe there's an internal oppression that's going on. Well, there certainly is for all of us. There's an internal oppression as we seek to live out what it is to be followers and disciples of Christ. So, Lord, we just pray that we would keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus. You are the author and the perfecter of our faith. Uh, Lord, and whilst the devil will try every which way he can to steer us in other directions and to take our eyes off, Lord, our prayer collectively this morning is that you would help us to keep our eyes firmly fixed on you, Jesus. You're the one who rescued us, redeemed us, has set us free. You're the one who's coming back. You will return to take all of those who are your children to be with you forever uh, in a new heaven and a new earth. So, Father, I just thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that your Holy Spirit um, is available for all who would call on your name. And so, Father, we just we want to say sorry and we repent, Father, for the times that we have fallen short of your holy standard. Uh, but we thank you that in Christ we are made righteous and we are made holy. Uh, and we just give you thanks for that, and we pray that we would just continue to keep our eyes firmly fixed on you, Lord Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen. God bless you.